this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Jean Ponzi. Jean's ecological work blends teaching, storytelling, and bursting into song. Her show, Earthworms, on KDHX has welcomed thousands of listeners for over 30 years, and she does a whole heck of a lot more than that. Hello, Jean. Hello, Mish. I'm so excited to see you. It's very fun to see you again, too. Thank you. So, you you know, last time I saw you, we were doing our TEDx thing, that TEDx thing we do. Yeah. And tell me about your experience. Well, okay. So I have, I thought for years about becoming, you know, giving a TED talk. And I just could never think of what I could talk about that would be something that was unusual enough. You know, I'm not going to talk about recycling and changing your light bulbs, which is what I talk about in my work. And then in 2018, TEDx Gateway Arch had a call for speakers and I applied and I auditioned. I remember your audition. We were like, we like her. Oh man, I thought I had blown it. I I got off topic immediately, Mitch. And I only had three minutes to explain a really weird topic. And then um, there was an interval of you all regrouping. Yep. And on July 1st, 2019, I got an email from Steve Summers saying, we're having two events. We'd love to have you as a speaker. Are you available on these dates? And I picked up the phone and called him. <laughs> and said, let's and go, he buddy. was surprised because I guess not everybody calls him. And I, uh, it was a transforming experience. I knew it would be. I wanted to get into the TEDx process because of the the training opportunity. It was a masterclass for me as it a speaker really and is, a communicator. Right? Yeah. And I said to myself at the very beginning, Jean, just you be 100% aware of everything that's happening here. And it was such a trip from July 1st to September 12th. I just loved it. Oh my it gosh. Fabulous. I love it. Oh, well, that's you. good. What TEDx Gateway Arch provides the most generous, professional, well-organized, gracious supports for people who are part of your program. Oh it my was gosh, I'm totally in- beaming right now. It was Thank you. an incredible experience. And you all, that you are all our volunteers. I've worked yep. with volunteer organizations like KDHX. You know, that's an amazing kind it's of person gig. power. It is. Right. It's a it tough is. gig. Yeah, it really is. Really so well connected. Everything from publicity and speaker training to the makeup artist. I know. We had Jen, a makeup she artist. She was so wonderful. Oh, I loved her. She. We had to go through two colors of lipstick, though. She was wearing sort of a raisin color. That's the color I like. And she uh-huh. had suggested for me sort of a peachy color. I was like, mm, I don't think so. I like what you have. But she didn't have that color. But she had almost black. And she put it on me. She goes, oh, that's a really good look for you. I was like, I don't think so. But I don't want to have black lips for my TEDx no, talk. <laughs> no, I am not a black lip type of girl. So we got However, out of, yeah, it was wonderful. You were talking about negativity. I was. So black might have worked, you know, with the mm. whole dark negative... But let's go there because you are definitely not a negative person. You are bubbly, happy. I am. Green gene. I am. I am. And you talked about negativity. You know, Mish, negativity has been, it's been a sort of companion for me all my life. I come from, I would call it like negatively polarized 
people. Okay. And if you think about negativity and positivity like the poles of magnetism, right. not that one is bad, one is good, one attracts and one repels. And they have their different functions and they're each other's complements. And that was my whole point. Okay. That when you look at anything in life from the point of view of two, you have these two hemispheres and they are each other's complements. They're each other's partners. They're transforming into each other. They're each other's dancing partners. I even came up with this wonderful line that when I discovered, it's like the yin and yang. That was one of my slides. <laughs> It, remind, it made me think of Ginger Rogers tap dancing backwards in high heels. <laughs> and I, I, I am a very positive person, but that's kind of not the ethos that I come from. And not that, you know, it's like grim or bad or mean or anything, but just like, you know, you, you don't want to put your, you don't want to put anyone out and you don't want to overstay your welcome and, you know, you don't want to be too much anything. And I, you know, I am. And my mom, my dear mother, she, in the, in the latter years of her life, we'd have conversations and I'd say things like, well, I just planted my basil. And she'd go, aren't you concerned about flesh eating bacteria? No, I actually hadn't even thought actually, about that. I was that. thinking about pesto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the worst possible thing. And that's just not the way my mind works. But because my experience of negativity in many ways, and nature, you know, there's all kinds of things in nature. That was a lot in my TED Talk. There, There is beauty. There is necessity. There's receptivity. There's responsiveness, collaborativeness, dormancy, all those kinds of things. And to say that what is negative, what functions in that way is bad, to me, is wrong. I will call that wrong. Right. Let's call the things that were giving the umbrella of negative their true names. Let's call them things like greed and manipulation and lying and you know, you can have a you can have a funny hustle and you can have a hustle that really harms people. Right. To say that and even like, you know, light and darkness. Where would we be if we couldn't sleep without the lights on. Yeah, it's we a thing. We need all that. We exactly. We need all that. Right. So I've been thinking about this since I was a really little kid, and I really cranked it up when I was a young feminist in my 20s and the 70s, having a fabulous time out in the world. <laughs> and when it came time to propose a TED Talk, that was what I proposed a year ago. But then a year went by and things got a lot more, you know, kind of in our society. So my first response was, I can't talk about this. People are awash in this. Right. And you all had sort of planned your program. And, you know, I was trying to kind of work my way around it. And negativity would not let me go. It was time to talk about it. And I have a couple of other talks and events coming up when I'm going to be able to expound on that in, you know, a little more detail. We're having this conversation today. And it's like a, a companion that's been with me all my life gets to be out in the in the sphere of exchange now. And I'm so grateful to be that kind of like introducer. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk more about this with Gene Ponzi. We'll and be flesh right back. eating bacteria. Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back with Jean Ponzi. So, should we go to green? Should we should we Let's get green? Let's go to green. I'm I want to talk green. To get green. There's a lot of awesome green going on in St. Louis right now. Holy Malolo! This Malolo. Region- <laughs> 
<laughs> we have so much stuff going on at every level of kids to adults to businesses to municipalities. Um, we have one of my favorite things is the whole movement to using native plants, ecological landscaping. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Gardening for pollinators and gardening for birds and, you know, let's plant more trees. Let's tend trees. Let's learn how to help trees get to maturity, not just stick them in the ground and, you know, wish them luck. Um, (laughs) We have collaborations. We have exchanges of resources and materials. We have the St. Louis Green Business Challenge and the U.S. Green Building Council. And we have just so many things are happening here. It's like grass growing through concrete. It's persistent and it is powerful and it's almost still kind of invisible. You know what? And it is. And and we need to to step it up, right? Yeah. So... Tell me some ways that people could, because I, I, so I've been ecologically minded Uh for a long time and I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm just going to the next step all the time. Uh You know, like, so like Uh this past weekend, I bought reusable plastic bags for Mm -hmm. like produce and stuff Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. buying baggies Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I've been, I would say 85% of the time taking my bags into the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I forget or wherever I'm shopping, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. little by little, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing a little bit more yeah, yeah, here and yeah, there, yeah. but I'm like ready to take it to the whole next level. So the next level is combine your individual interactions with those of others, aggregate, okay, collaborate, cooperate, and continue to do the individual things you're doing and look for ways to make that be more of a group effort. And, and when everybody, like now. you want everybody to do it. And I think I shared with you when I was over in London, they would, they would ask you when you were buying something, they would say, almost like, where the hell's your bag? They're like, you know what I mean? They're <laughs> uh-huh. like, do not you, do you want like, one, but they, they would look at you and go, do you need a bag? Like, are you serious? You need uh, a bag, you uh-huh. know? And, and I learned really quickly that was like, oh, you know, and the first time I said, I yeah. don't have, I just got here, but boy, I carried my plastic bags from that first place everywhere in London <laughs> after that, because I mm-hmm. wasn't going to be embarrassed again, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I hate to say it, but it's, a, it got, it, because that was the thing, yeah. then I just was like, this is what we do here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, this is what we do here, that cultural shift, making green be more of a norm, have it be visible at places like the Cardinals, you know, the Bush Stadium and the Missouri Botanical Garden and the St. Louis Zoo and, you know, a TEDx Gateway Arch performance and the symphony and wherever it is you go, having that be at festivals all over town because right. of recycling on the go, a problem of, a, a program of our St. Louis Earth Day 365, having that be present and visible and a norm and making that cultural shift, that's one of the things that's happening here. And then again, joining forces with others, maybe that's in your workplace, maybe that's in your community of faith, maybe that's in your neighborhood or your subdivision or more people in your family. Individual efforts do matter Drops in a bucket, fill that bucket. But we are in the serious age of climate change, and it's time for human beings to mature and be responsible and exercise our ability to respond, our capacity to be not only not degenerators, but conservers, but even restorers of the world that we share, the planet and the resources that we share. Oh my gosh, I love it. And and I mean, and it's... 
there's a lot of us. I mean, there's a whole heck of a of lot humans? of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, you know, yeah. we're kind of, yeah. we need to, we need to like yeah. get our act together. Well, one good thing we have is person power. And what I always <laughs> think of when I think of that, Mitch, do you remember the opening ceremony of the Beijing Olympics? Oh. oh yeah. Wow. Or there was like 10,000 people <laughs> raising up their little square of movable type, you know, and all they the were, drivers they were, are. They were doing their thing. That was person power. And we have that too. And we can mobilize it. And we can also be individuals. Right. But we sort of have this ethic that nobody's going to tell me what to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, could we just collaborate and help each other out yeah. and get along? It's exactly. not the same as somebody telling you what to do. And it's it's tough. It's going to take, you know, I feel like we need to have the PR, the... the um, uh, well, the public service, the PSAs, the public service announcements about it. We I would have that coming from kids. The it, climate oh strikes gosh, that the we just had. The girls right now that are all yes. out there, and some people are being so mean to them, which is just heartbreaking to me. But boy, teenage girls, I feel like, are really taking the charge on this whole get it together, people. Yes. yes. You know? Yes. I love it. Yes, and the stakes are so high for them because this is their future. This is their lives. How many more years, you know, is are are we going to live compared to how many years they're going to live? Right. And girls, the fact that girls are in major leadership roles, the UN Sustainable Development Goals puts the education of women and girls up in the top five, and a a whole a set of a hundred strategies to pull carbon out of the atmosphere where. It's too concentrated, called Project Drawdown. Education of women and girls is in the top 10. It's number six in there. Because, because women more naturally collaborate. Mm-hmm. And that's not to, you know, diss men or how we're socialized. I've been reading a lot about the new creatable world, you know, dolls from Mattel and how that's going to get more people to socialize with different hair hair lengths and different outfits and stuff. Or, or no hair. No hair, right. <laughs> I, it's an incredible era for human beings challenging assumptions, challenging structures like binary genders. Talk about a perspective of two. Right. And then stepping up and saying, this is, this must change. We will figure out how to change it. So let us work together. And for me, as a person who's now in this sort of the elder phase of my life, how can I be of service? How can I be of help to you? How can I continue to work with you who have more energy than I do and more technology and more, you know, methodologies than I do? Right. But there's something that I have and, and my generation has to contribute to. We are all needed. Every single human being might not be on that green train, but we need a critical mass. I love it. Oh, yay. Yay. Thank yay. You. You're, you're, I mean, the work you're doing is just... It's awesome. And it's you've been doing it for gig. a long time. I've been doing it for you've, about 31 you've been, you've years. You've been going, come on, people. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I didn't see it start out like this. I was a sophomore in high school in Wisconsin, the start of Earth Day, in my home state. I have absolutely no recollection of that. It's like, uh, completely apolitical, unaware of anything except for like Barbie. <laughs> and my goal in life was to be a French horn player. Thank heaven I dropped that on the steps of the student union when I was a freshman in college. 
but it, <laughs> oh, it came the, to the me universe later. got you there. <laughs> it did. It did. And the when the environment kind of dropped in my lap as subject matter, it was the perfect thing for me because I never wanted to pick a focus. I thought, what if I pick a focus and I get bored? Oh, there's well, a lot of focuses with this. I know. There's the so many places. It includes everything. It's kind of big. Yeah. And so like my show on KDHX Earthworms, when it, you know, I, I did it for a few months as sort of a formless generic show. It was called Midday Midweek because it was on Wednesdays at noon. Okay. It was very hard to organize what was going to be on because it had no focus. And gotcha. then somebody said, well, why don't you do environment? Because I'd sort of gotten started dabbling in that. And stuff, it's like the floodgates opened and the subject matter and the guests and the potential to bring things to people's attention and to talk about stuff that people didn't know. And it, I, I am never bored. I There's love it. always something to learn and something to contribute. Awesome sauce. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be back with Jean Ponzi. We're back with Jean Ponzi and question time. I need help. Yes, ma'am. I am going to ask for your At help. Your service. First thing I want to ask about, okay, these are like my guilty things. I feel guilty. Um, garbage bags. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is there something I can, I mean, I, I, I feel what like I must. What kind of garbage bags do you use? So I don't know, like hefty kind of things. Yeah. Like the, I need, I feel like I need to contain the garbage in something yeah. to put it into my big well, garbage bag. what about pail. like a paper grocery bag? That's better than the plastic garbage bags. Well, you don't have to buy it. You might get them anyway. The, okay. the, the question of paper or plastic is kind of one of those specious it's, choices. It's, you know, it's, it's a difficult one, one, half a dozen of the other. Re, but if I'm taking my reusable yes. bags with me, so yes. now I'm not. Because, so this is, here's my, this is my quandary. Yes. So I used to get the regular old plastic bags yeah. and I would use those for like bathroom. Yeah. Those yep. kind of things yep. for waste yep. baskets. Yep. Puppy does the bad yep. thing, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And then for my big garbage, you know, I got the 13 gallon yeah. size, whatever. Yeah. But I'm looking at this and going, should I be doing something different here? Well, okay, so I'm I'm thinking about my own system mission. I'm thinking about yours. So I have a little compost bucket in my kitchen and okay. the coffee grounds and the salad trimmings and the fruit, you know, the fruit cobbler that became a science experiment. That stuff goes <laughs> in the compost bucket, which okay. is a little five gallons, like a little mini pickle bucket. It's okay. called a little fiber. And it's just darling. And then I take that out and I dump it on my compost pile. So that takes the gloppy stuff out of my kitchen trash. But what, and, and what's then, the compost pile for? It's for for compost. Um, <laughs> no, just, like, do I do more with it? Well, what's, or do I, I or do I just go? There's my compost pile. It's compost is the best soil amendment. Compost is a hundred percent organic. Make it on the site. Super duper plant food. Can I just spread food. it around my yard? I'm you not can. a gardener sure person. No, and I'm so. not really either. Okay. And also, my home place is almost all trees. I have about. You know, six square inches to grow a basil plant. Got, yeah, compost. You can use it or not, but whether or not you take it out of the pile and you use it, it's still decomposing there, and it it lets all that organic stuff that or, that kitchen waste Got, yeah. go back to something that you could use if you wanted to. And I can just I just got to get a little compost thing to put on my counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then find a pile in your yard. There are some people who compost with worms in a worm bin in their kitchen or their basement. I can teach you how to do that. Uh, um, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I am. So, I will. I would no. Seriously, yeah. I'm interested in learning because it's. I feel guilty. Yeah. I get this like 
cringy feeling every time I put another plastic bag into the trash can. Well, forgive yourself and let yourself go on. Okay. Guilt sucks. A guilt does suck. Literally. And that's right. a functionality, I yeah, would call yeah, that, yeah. you know, in the way negativity works. Negativity. Yes, All yes. right. So when you take out the the gloppy stuff, the schluppy stuff, then you pretty much have the dry stuff and a lot you know, of it's what's recyc- left after you, can you recycle. recycle. Yeah. Sure. Interesting. Okay. I have a, it's, it's got a small footprint. It's just big enough to hold a paper grocery bag. That's my kitchen garbage can. And I put a paper grocery bag in there. And very rarely is that totally full at the end of the week. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to yeah, try, okay, it. try All right, it. I will report try back. It. Now my next one is landscaping. Yes. So I, again, I am, I am really, I have to move into a loft apartment soon uh-huh. because I am so like not the person you should have in your neighborhood. When it comes uh-huh. I got to I mean, thank goodness I have the person that comes over and does the lawn. Yeah. But landscaping, I haven't done. I have one of those new built homes that you're supposed to do like the cute little landscaping thing. Yeah, in yeah. The, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Is it, is there something easy that I can like plant there natively, like in the front portion? Yeah, there's easy stuff. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's plant herbs are always nice. That's you could a good have idea. a couple of bushes as anchors on the corners or maybe one in the middle and put other sort of flowering things in in between. There are my favorite one of my favorite native plants is a sort of fountain shaped little clumpy grass called prairie drop seed that makes these little grass fountains. Oh, that sounds a, pretty. It's very pretty and it's very well mannered. Prairie drop the, seed. Mm-hmm, oh, and well mannered. Yes, it doesn't take <laughs> off and take over your place. That's what I mean. Okay, and it gotcha. doesn't flop over and get really weird and tall and dorky looking. <laughs> And you can fill in your native plants with things like zinnia seeds and nasturtiums and, you know, cosmos. Are these things that come up by themselves every year? They or? Would, you would need to reseed those. But okay. there are things that can, that will reseed. Most natives are perennials. They'll come back again and again. There are some native annuals. You know, you can fill in with stuff that you might like, like hostas or ferns. And if you'd like some native plant gardening advice, there's a fabulous program in St. Louis called Bring Conservation Home from St. Louis Audubon. For a very modest fee, Audubon will send trained habitat advisors to your place. These are master gardeners or master naturalists. Really? Yes. And they will look at your place and they'll give you a written list of everything that is native or invasive on your property and they'll give you recommendations for how to biodiversify your property based on your specific place. What? That is so cool. Is it sunny? Is it slow? What's the aesthetics of your neighborhood? What's your energy level and your interest? And tell you where to go to get the stuff. And then you start messing around with it. And it's really fun. Oh, my gosh. What a cool pro. Yeah, yeah. It's That's been, like you they, just gave us some gold. Oh, it is so wonderful. They have certified, I think they've gone over a 1,000 properties. And this started, it was in the early teens of, of 2000. Wow. Yeah. We had him come to our place in February and I was kind of showing off because, you know, everything was dormant and we knew a lot of what was in our property, but they also made recommendations that I had never thought of and I followed them and it was so exciting. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. And it supports Audubon. All right. Tell me something I don't know, like something you think I should ask you about being all green. If... There are insects eating things around your home. That's good. Really? Yes, because birds. If you do, you like birds, Mish. I do like birds. Okay. In fact, I had 
I think they're called barn swallows. Barn swallows. Uh-huh. So it, and I left their they nests there. They look like there. little flying cigars, or they have yes. little points in their tails. Oh yeah. my gosh! Uh-huh. So I saw the like we yeah. had the the whole family. Uh-huh. They were right on top of the light as uh-huh. you're going into the house. The light on the porch, uh-huh. and they built this really cool nest. Uh-huh. And I haven't touched the nest because I don't know if they're going to come. I, yeah. Do they come back? I don't Should know I let about it go? Well, I don't know that much. About I, but birds. I really liked them. Yeah. I, they were good neighbors. So. We can feed birds, adult birds, seeds, and people love to do that because it attracts birds. But baby birds need protein, and they get it from larvae. They get it from caterpillars and worms, and they need a lot of it. So in order to support birds, you have to have the plants that will attract the insects that become the food for birds. The best kind of tree you can plant is an oak. Almost any kind of species of oak will host between 600 and 900 different kinds of insect really? larvae. Yes, that you There's will never see. There's a lot of life going on but there. But they're up there and birds are eating them. Oh, We're cool. talking larvae out the wazoo. <laughs> and birdies, baby birds. And it's it, it's liveliness around us. And then the other thing is that you may not know, there are so many opportunities to learn about connect to nature, get out there and enjoy it, and and how healthy that is for any age I know, human I'm being. So it's, I'm just like terrible at getting out in nature, but I need to. Yeah. 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 Go, you know, Missouri Botanical Garden was my place where I went out in nature when I first moved here, which is kind of funny because it's very tended. Right, right, but right. But it was a place where a young woman could go out and dance around and hug the trees and nobody would bug me because <laughs> you had to pay three bucks to get in. <laughs> and... Places like that where you can experience the seasons and the weather and, you know, have make friends with trees and different plants and talk to people. Parks are like that, too. Right. Um, you can have that experience at the zoo. I was just there the other day and, oh, my gosh, their landscaping is amazing. Plus, they have, like, prairie dogs. <laughs> it's really... That's a very good thing for human beings and for our health and for our connection to the earth at all ages. I love it. So I want to I'm going to share one thing I learned recently that I yes. think is really awesome, and that the idea is is that you don't mow your lawn every week. You mow it every other mm-hmm. week. The reason being is that that gives enough time. Like, and it's true. I I've I played around with it. Like, mm-hmm. let it go for another week, mm-hmm. and then that's when the bees and every, they all start showing up. Yeah, and they'll tend to go into sort of the margins, the edges of things like your planting beds. Turf, regular grass, frankly, doesn't, nobody really lives in it. Nobody eats it. We mostly work for it. Yeah, mine, I, I don't know what they but did. You with might, what you they know, brought in, it's something weird happened all with kinds mine. Of so. <laughs> good. That's good. It's actually good That's in the good. end. At first, I was like, what in the world did you put down in my yard? Plus, if you wait every other week, then you can mow in patterns and you can like make a shape and fill it in. That's my favorite thing about cutting the grass. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I don't know if the kid that cuts my... I'll ask Patrick if he would mind doing designs in the yard. He might. You never know. We're getting ready to see things like bee lawns in St. Louis that they have in Minnesota where the kinds of weeds that people tend to use a lot of chemicals to eradicate in their lawn, they they look green when you look at them, but they also flower a little bit and they're supporting pollinators. I think that's an awesome yeah. idea. And maybe that's a part of your yard and another part is more conventional turf where you want to run or play or the dog's going to run or you want to put your patio furniture or whatever. Think of our, if we think of our personal property sort of like islands yeah. as opposed to the green carpet that we have to tend, <laughs> leave that to the crawlies. 
Yeah. That's where we inherited that idea from Downton Abbey. <laughs> Let them do their line. Yeah. The rest of us can have our yeah. own little diverse line. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Jean, thank you so much. Oh, Mitch, thank you for this episode. Tell us Thanks more where we can you find do. find you. Where where can people catch up with so, all that you do? Um, my show, Earthworms, is a podcast now through KDHX. Okay. It's independent media. We're in the pod space. Ooh, awesome sauce. And you can pick that up at kdhx.org or wherever, wherever you get your podcasts. Earthworms, plural. You need more than one. <laughs> and then I work at the Earthways Center, which is the sustainability division of Missouri Botanical Garden. And you can find us at Mobot org slash sustainability and frankly all over the community we're out there talking and teaching and working all over the place awesome thank you for all you do thank you thank and you for thank being you, you for the opportunity to be a tedx gateway art oh, speaker totally our pleasure a, a great great gift very win-win thanks <laughs> all right everybody out there you have been listening to mishmash go subscribe love you all bye